from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I am the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. And my guests today are Sebastian Solano and Lucas Trays, who are co-founders of Jeter. Jeter is the best-selling pre-rolling cannabis brand in the country right now. The company started out in California, and they recently opened new headquarters in Michigan and Arizona. And as far as I know, they're not under the umbrella of a big MSO. They are doing it on their own. Is that correct, guys? Correct. correct. Yes. Yep. And so we're going to talk about how they grew to be so large on their own and, and sort of the interesting backstory of this company. Sebastian and Lucas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you for having us. Really great to have you guys. Some really interesting uh, statistics. First of all, okay, I, I mentioned you're the number one pre-roll company in the U.S. You've had a thousand percent growth rate since your launch in 2019. You own more than 40% of the market share in California in pre-rolls. You sell more than 3.5 million pre-rolls per month in California alone. That's a lot of pre-rolls. You've got a thousand employees. So where are all these numbers coming from? Just to, these are kind of verified, right? Yes. So in, in regards to the number of pre-rolls where like, you know, we actually produce them. The 3.5 million number does include uh, the launch of, of Arizona. But it's basically, you know, the total number of SKUs that we produce, you know, and some of our SKUs, for example, like the baby jitter bottle has five joints in them, right? So we basically, you know, grab our total production and we grab the babies, multiply and press five, and then we grab our one grams and our, and our two gram joint, which are single joints, and then we add it up together. And it adds up to, yeah, just, just above, you know, the three and a half million joints a month that people are smoking. Now, I'm looking at your background here, and it says that the company was originally found by two sets of identical twins. Yep. And high school friends. That's crazy. Okay, so Lucas, you have a twin, and Sebastian, you have a twin? Yes, identical twins, correct. How did you guys find each other? It's some like identical twins, or you just, you've just you known each other in high school, since high school? No, I met a question. <laughs> no, no um, I actually met Sebastian's brother back when I was a server working at Olive Garden, and we both got a job together being servers, and we just became good, good friends, you know, and kind of uh, David introduced me to the crew, and and. For so long, I didn't know that David had a twin brother, and David didn't even know I had a twin brother. I actually remember being at the gym once um, and seeing Se- Sebastian. I walked up to him, and I thought it was David, and that's when I kind of fo- found out they're twins. But yeah, we we all met, which I, I met da- David working at Olive Garden. That's incredible. And so you both have identical twins. You both probably can relate, I guess, to what that's like, having an identical twin. People mistaking you all the time for the other person. Yeah, it happens. It definitely happens. And you know, what's cool too is like, you know, like I'm a little more like, like Lucas's brother. And then Lucas is more like my brother when it comes up to like personalities and like, I guess, way of looking at things. So it's, it's actually pretty funny. Right. You're more like twins than your actual twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about the origin story of Jeter. Before you guys started this company, you were founders of a, of a company that, that did, um, I understand, EDM, EDM festivals, right? Yes. So we, we founded uh, Life in Color, which, um, you know, at one point back in, call it 2012, 2013, it actually became the largest touring music festival in the world. We started in college, like we said, when we met back in Tallahassee and, you know, we're from a house party to nightclubs to stadiums and arenas. And then eventually, you know, stadiums and arenas all over the world. 
there was even a year where we actually toured 45 countries as a music festival, which was quite the undertaking. And there was there was weekends where we had like, damn, today we have a show in Brazil and New York and in Colombia. You know, oh, and by the way, in Korea. So it was it was definitely an experience, man. It, it was it was amazing. You know, like everybody kind of played to their strengths, and you know, so that was that was quite the journey. And you know, towards the end of that journey, we got a we became part of like you know a huge a big roll up that that ended up going public in in New York. So we got to experience like the private world, like startup, like us, you know, building a brand from scratch, taking it global, to then being part of like you know the public markets. And the music side, which is even more, you know, I guess in a way tricky and difficult. The music industry, I just, I don't know, I don't feel like it's too cut off for that world either. But you know, some people have figured it out, and so that was that was that, that was definitely quite the journey. Then we learned a lot, and we grew a lot, and it was it was it was just an amazing time. We had a lot of fun. So, what drew drove you to deciding to then now start a business in the cannabis space? So towards the end of I call it the music journey for us we were kind of like losing a little bit of the entrepreneurial like vibe you know from the company going private sorry from the company being just us to then going public and being part of like the public vehicle to then the company the, the public company actually went back private and so it just changed ownerships at that point we didn't even have firstly any real ownership of the company anymore so at that point we were just like purely employees and we feel like we're in our 30s we've already done this much like we we have bigger ambitions and you know like a lot of people were reaching out to lucas and myself about like hey what are you investing in cannabis what are you investing in cannabis and i was just like why is there so many people like reaching out to us about investing in cannabis what's going on you know and we've always been users like we you know, we, we love smoking cannabis, you know, like we always, you know, like it's a, it's a bonding thing for us. And we've also seen the benefits, obviously, of it as well. And we just started doing some analysis. We spent about a year just doing pure research. And, you know, Lucas was already living in California and I was living in New York and coming back and forth. And we were just like visiting companies and, you know, meeting with operators. And we're like, yo, like, let's take a company and invest in it. And, but we'll, we'll stay in our music lane. And then the, the deeper we got into it, we were like, there's no way we're handing anybody our money in this industry because as promising as it does look, because we were able to verify the promise of, of the opportunity, but we were also able to see that it was difficult to find operators you could trust and invest in your money and, and not be being deeply involved. And then there was that other part of like, you know, we love to build a brand and we love to build a company. And the only reason why we, build, or one of the main reasons why we were successful in music it's because we went all in. All of us, like, this is our life. We're going all in. We're throwing everything we have at this. And, and you know, we got a nice victory. So then we, we saw the opportunity with cannabis. Like, hey, you know what? Like, if, if this is going to succeed, we need to go all in. So we took the leap of faith. You know, we resigned from the company. All of us did. And we moved over moved to California. And then that journey began. Yeah. So why pre-rolls? Like, that was, is that, that's not the only product you guys make, right? Or is or is it that your sole product? No, yeah. It's 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 not the only product. But, but pre-rolls was definitely our, uh, our, our first product. And honestly, uh, why pre-rolls is because... We always like to like when we build something. It's it's like we were thinking when we were, when, when we'd go to a a, a store and and we want to buy pre rolls. There was nothing out there that we really liked. So so I think that was like the main thing for us. Like we actually want to be able to go to a store and purchase one of our pre rolls. Like something that we would be you would want that yeah. we want to buy. Yeah. So 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 that was the the whole idea of why we wanted the pre rolls. Yeah, and then and then also to just to add to that, we also felt like the way the industry was evolving and becoming more mainstream, that it was pretty obvious that the pre-roll sector 
was going to become one of the most dominant ones because mm-hmm. as you get all this column from soccer moms to college kids to all their people, all types of walks of lives coming into the into the cannabis experience, like most of them are not going to want to grab the flower and smell it, break it up, and you know, like roll up a paper and, and roll up the whole thing. Like it's pretty obvious to us that the industry was going to also start heading towards pre rolls, while flower will always exist. But we, we thought like this is probably the biggest growth opportunity. Yeah, and, and the convenience, I guess, of it. You know, that's what I like about them. It's just like, you you don't have time. <laughs> so you're, they're infused pre-rolls. What does that mean exactly? So, I mean, it's uh, our pre-rolls, right? Infused, they're, they're infused with liquid diamonds. So we have a whole process where we work with some of the top cannabis analysis companies that are pioneering like the research of cannabinoids. So what we do is we infuse our pre-rolls with liquid diamonds, uh, which is a high potent THC. And then we also use botanical ter- terpenes to give it the flavor and the whole full entourage effect. And then on the and then they're they're coated with with keef on the outside. Why do you do it that way rather than just doing a straight pre roll? Like why do you infuse them as well? Does it make them stronger and, and more potent? Yeah it, yeah, it it definitely makes it way stronger. A lot um, stronger, yeah. You know, you also get to I guess yeah dive deeper into you know in you know into the THC world. Like you get a, obviously a much stronger THC percentage and then also the experience like the the flavor everything like even even the keep on the outside like what it, it just adds to the experience like one thing too that we come from the world of creating experiences so for us a big part of, of jeter was always like let's focus on that experience you know like not just like what goes into like making the product but like what about like what happens when you from the moment you see the package how does the package look how does it feel when you open it when you grab the pre and you see that keef that texture on the outside that already gives you like an elevated, you know, feel. And then when you light it up and you hit it and, you know, all the way to where it's finished. So it was, it just elevated the whole experience. And then also like, it was another underserved category. We launched first just with non-infused and, you know, people were asking us like, Hey, do you got something infused? Do you got something infused? And we were like, interesting. And then, and then we started like doing some R&B and we realized that it was it was amazing. Yeah. When you say people were like, how did, how did you do research to find out people meeting like the dispensaries or like customers or both or? Well, it, that specific example was dispensaries asking if, if we had infused. Right. Because my understanding is, well, not my understanding, but my impression is that in California, there's a very large market for high THC products, you know, especially in the recreational market. And so you guys were really, you know, tapping into that. Yes, a hundred percent. And and another another part that's pretty crazy too is we were actually having a call with um you know BDSA analytics again. They're one of like the big companies that focuses on data and and they told us that like basically Jeter like threw off all their algorithms when as 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 our journey progressed because uh, infused pre rolls was only about five percent of the total pre roll market, right? And they projected that it was going to grow up to like maybe ten percent over the, over the next five years. Today we're about four years into that that projection they had, and we're no, now this year infused is actually going to be about they're projecting it to be about fifty five percent of total pre rolls in California. So it, it's been a completely like seismic shift on the whole pre roll market. It's almost like we created a category; it, it did exist before, right? But we kind of made it a category. Yeah, and it's almost like when you create a category and then you have success in it, then you're going to get a lot of imitators. Absolutely, yeah. So how have you how have you fended fended off the competition? I mean, it's good that you were there first or almost first, very early. Yeah, exactly. Early. <laughs> yeah. How do you the imitators and the perpetrators? How do you keep them at bay? Like, how do you stay ahead? 
I think, uh, well, so, uh, Sebastian, you can speak after, but I think for us, John, is we just concentrate and stay in our lane. Like, I don't really think we let the imitators distract us. We just know exactly what we want to do and what we want to do with our brand. So we don't really let it become a distraction. And um, sure, we look at other brands and what they're doing. You want to see what your competition is doing. But but, but for us, it's it's kind of like just just staying in our lane and doing like exactly what, what, what we want to do. So what is it that you want to do? Like, how would you describe what your mission is? I mean, that's, uh, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a beautiful loaded question, man. But um, yeah. look, I, mean, I and again, you know, Lucas, we'll, we'll both be, be kind of like tagging each other on, on these answers because we're both excited about sharing some of this stuff. But just going back to Lucas's last answer, like that's that was exactly it. And we learned this from the music industry. It's like, just because your competitor does this, then you immediately react and you make and you make a, you make a change or you create something for that reason, and the next thing you know, you end up like you know failing or not not being successful with that decision versus like sticking to your tunnel vision focus. However, being aware of the environment and the ecosystem and what's going on around you, and you know pivoting when you need to, but don't make decisions because of what your competitors are doing. Because if you stay in your lane and you and you keep your eye on the goal, then you know exactly where you're headed. Like you know, you, you'll get there first if you don't get distracted. And that's what a lot of times competition does. It distracts you. So we were thankful enough to, to learn that in the past. And then now going into what was, I'm sorry, what was the, the, the last question? Well, it's kind of like, what is the, your, like, what is your lane? Like if you had to describe what your lane is, obviously your lane is pre, in, I mean, you do other things, but infused pre-roll is your bread and butter. But how do you explain like your marketing, your lane? Like, how do you explain how, really how you've been so successful? Because obviously whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. So what is it that you think you guys have done what is that lane that's so appealing to people? So, go ahead. You want to go first? Okay. Okay. So, so I'll kick it off here. I mean, John, so, so look, for us, obviously, we product is, is number one, right? But I remember when we first started and we'd always go to the conferences and the, the biz cons and all that stuff. And like, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. And we're asking around and everybody's like, yeah, we're building this brand. We're building a lifestyle brand. And everybody talks about building a lifestyle brand. But it's like, what are you really doing to build a lifestyle brand? And for us, that was kind of like, like like let's not talk about it let's be about it and as we come from a a a space of events and experiences we're like look we're just going to put our head down and we're going to build a true lifestyle brand that's with the events like the pop-ups that that we do i mean we we really just disrupted the the market like everybody did a regular pad and we came in there we built out a hall like a you felt like you're going into a a blockbuster a movie store so like just just like thinking outside the, 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 the box and, and building a, a true lifestyle brand. Now we're adding apparel to it. So for us, it was, it was really just like, let's build a lifestyle brand, but let's build it by, by doing it and not just talking about it. Tell me about these pop-ups. I don't think I've had the opportunity to experience when you say it's like walking into a blockbuster store. What do you mean? Yeah. So it's actually a, f- a funny story, which I shared with, uh, with our sales team the other day. So it's about three years ago. We were uh, Pete, who's our chief product officer, and big shout out to to Pete. I wish he was in the call with us. But we were doing a a LeafLink conference, and this was like three years ago. We just kind of started off, and 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 it was like two weeks before this conference. And Pete was like, "Look, I'm going to book us a ten by ten space. We just got to show up. Half the battle is showing up." And I'm like. All right, but like, what are we going to do? Like, like we do cool stuff. He's like, I don't know. I already booked it. It's a 10 by 10 space. Let's just show up with our products. And I was like, damn, like, all right, we got two weeks. So I just remember getting super stoned. I was in Miami. I was watching Half Big. And I just remember watching uh, uh, at the beginning of the movie, they're all walking into a bo- bodega. I was like, damn, why don't we kind of create like a bo- bodega pop-up at this uh, conference? But I was like, damn, we're not going to have enough time to do that. And then I just started thinking, I'm watching a movie. And like, it's like, we wanted to touch on something that like, 
people might uh, just relate to. And I was like, damn, people used to love going out, getting a movie, getting some popcorn, uh, smoking a joint and, and, and just going home, right? So like, then why don't we just create like a little uh, rental movie that kind of is inspired by Blockbuster? So that was the whole thing. Uh, we created this pop-up where, where it felt like a Blockbuster and, and, and it was a 10 by 10 space and it had nothing to do with cannabis. Like you walked around all the booths and everybody has their products facing, you know, like the same one-on-one that everybody's doing. And for us, you walk up to our booth, like there's no cannabis anywhere. It's just a, it looks like a, bl- a Blockbuster with all these DVDs. And when you grab the DVD and you turn it over, it actually had our products and everything listed. So like we we saw people just coming up and talking about it. And then I remember like Lee Flink hitting us up, like that was so genius. And we're like, damn, this is this is kind of different. Like, why don't we actually bring this into stores? And then we created yes. basically the, the make it a Judo night tour. And we started yeah. all the stores. And when you come to the to the pop-up, you get a blanket, you get a popcorn, you get a little card that basically says you're a member and like you know, you buy your jitters, you come home and you put your, you know, you put your blanket over you, you get the popcorn and you smoke a jitter. And you make it a Jitter night, you know, and that, that was the make it the Jitter night tour. And, and like Lucas said, and then from there, you know, there's a new one that's, that's being launched pretty soon. And, and that was one of the big disrupting moments for us. Very true. And especially because at that point at LeafLink, like we, we were begging accounts to take our product, not begging, but, you know, like in, at that entry point as a brand where you're fighting against 500 brands to so like, you know, buy my product. And they're like, why? And then it, it was this type of disrupting moments that like when everybody at LeafLink was like, yo, did you guys see that, that Jitter pop up? And like, you know, and we were definitely not one of the big brands in those days. And, and, no, and that was definitely one of the pivotal moments for us. And it was funny because like you see all the brands that were like with all these big installations and, and you can tell they're spending all this money. Like back then we didn't have any money to spend on, on building this stuff out. I think it cost us maybe like three, $4,000 to build out this, this pop-up button, yeah. but it was like, it was just creative. And like we built the one booth that everybody talked about for three, $4,000 while, you know, brands are out there spending one, two, $300,000 on these big activations. But then there's like, there's just no true solve behind why they're doing it. So what else? So how else did you guys stand out from those 500 brands in the beginning that you were fighting against to, to be number one? I mean, obviously you're staying in your lane. I'm taking a list here. You're staying in your lane, a disruptive kind of interesting, innovative marketing ideas, anything, and obviously a product that delivers something that a lot of products aren't delivering. You were definitely first, first to market and early to market on that. What else did you guys do? I think something that was also pretty uh, game-changing for us, and it's funny because it's actually a great segment for me to um, bring up my brother, David. So we were struggling for the first, you know, call it six months, nine months, like really being able to like do any, any real sales. You know, we're maybe doing like $30,000 a month between like six, between like six sales reps. And even, you know, at that point we were, we were just about to launch Infuse, but I hadn't really launched yet. And then my brother was like, you know, he saw that the company was very, you know, it was going through very you know tough times. And he was like, man, he's like, this is too big. I know how much you guys put into this. Like, let me jump in on, you know, with, with, with sales, with the sales team. And let, let me see what I can do to help you guys out. And then, man, like within a few months, we were doing, you know, 100, 200 grand a month. Like David somehow figured out a way to crack the code into getting into the dispensaries and have them take our product and to figure out how to make sure that once the product got to the dispensary, that it actually moved. That's another big thing is for us, like dispensaries are not like our clients, they're our partners. So like getting the product to the store is only like 10% of the battle, right? The real battle is like making sure the product comes, the, the customer comes in and purchases the product. Because then that's when you get the reorder, right? And that's when the store is like, oh, you know what? Like, you bring value to me. So I'm going to continue to order jitters because you guys bring people to the store. So David, you know, figured out like amazing promotions and ways to like, you know, really get the stores to move the product quick. And the next thing you know, like we became one of those brands where like, yo, like people are actually walking to the door saying, do you have jitter? 
And if you and if we say no, they would actually leave the store and go to the next one. You know, so when we started hearing this type of stuff, we were like, oh my God, like, you know, like this is amazing. Like we're 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 building like that true cult following the brand loyalty. So again, from that to obviously, you know, what we did with our packaging and and the product is also made a huge difference. But I think it was a combination, man. That's why we're so blessed. Like our team, our team is just the greatest team ever, you know, and everybody kind of so strong at what they do that, you know, kind of came together into creating this little powerhouse. And uh, the other, like, I think that that's that, uh, like, let us stand apart from other brands is we were doing these boutique drops. And I remember the first one that we did is when the Miami Heat were, were playing the Lakers in the finals. And it's like, when you think of bringing a product to life, you know, if you look at a roadmap, most of the time, it's at least six months between you get packaging and artwork and marketing or whatever. And the Lakers were playing the Heat and we're huge basketball fans. We're all from Miami. Um, Miami Heat is our favorite team. So when the Lakers were playing in Miami and we're living in LA, we're like, damn, let's, let's do a cool cool play on the finals and like we were able to pull it off within a week put it in stores do a whole campaign around it and we're like damn like this is something cool like we might be able to do these things like like on live events like something that's culturally happened how can we actually do something cool around that moment so i think the boutique drops and then obviously once the lakers won we did this whole cool LA uh, uh, and a tribute to kobe uh joined which we donated all the money to Dwayne wade's foundation um, you know, there's always a why also why we do these boutique drops. Most of them that we do, we actually do a donation, but I think that's also been a big part of why we're able to stand apart is because we really go against the grain and like, it's not easy to bring these boutique drops to life because it takes a lot of time. Like, like I was saying, most of the time you have a six to 12 month roadmap. We're bringing them to life within two to three months. So there's this thing called Jeter Day. What is that all about? Yes. Yeah, so Jeter Day. It's a very special day for us. It is literally like the holiday of Jeter, like for the whole world, right? It's the day that we get to celebrate Jeter. We get to celebrate the birth of, I guess, something beautiful and great that will transform the cannabis industry. It's the day that we get to thank our consumers. It's the day that we get to also showcase our ability to create an experience that's so far unmatched in the cannabis industry. So what that means is that we do a one-time drop right? Pretend like a, like that limited sneaker drop, right? We create this special Jeter Day package. It comes themed out, right? There's always a, a theme for Jeter Day. People can come to the stores and purchase it. The first like 50 people to come to the store, they'll get like the crazy box that has like, call it four or $500 worth of retail value. And they only pay about 80 bucks for it, a hundred bucks, you know, whatever the, the price is, but they, they get like a four X on their money just based on how much stuff we, we love to gift them with. But then everybody else throughout the day does get to purchase and get, you know, amazing discounts and they get to have this collectible Jeter Day product that you can never buy again and you'll never be able to find anywhere else. Normally we do it on select stores. We'll probably do it like in our top 100, top 200 stores in, in, in the state just because it's very difficult to be able to do it in all 800 stores in California because it takes a lot of production. We also take care of the people at the store. Um, some of the people will get like a golden ticket that's going to, you know, give them a, a major price. We don't want to announce what those prices are going to be, but like, you know, from, you know, th th there's just a lot of things that we're going to be gifting this year, especially for Jeter Day. And then now we introduced the live aspect of Jeter Day, which we just introduced last year. So we brought in our, our, our uh, festival experience and we produced the actual first Jeter Day event. So you have the activation that happens at the stores all across the state. And actually this year will happen all across the nation. And then you also have the Judo Day event, which is an, it's an invite-only event, obviously, you know, with 
you know, cannabis regulations and everything. You can't sell tickets. You know, you can't make it one of those type of events. So it's an invite-only event for industry, influencers, friends, family. It's everybody just basically for us to say thank you. We make, a, we make a massive investment and we do this huge production. This last year we had, you know, Ludacris, uh, the Martinez brothers. We did this crazy state-of-the-art drone show that, you know, blew people's minds away. Um, we rented this gorgeous home that looked like basically you were like in Lake Como in Italy. And we, we, it's a seven, you know, seven figure plus, plus, plus uh, production, nothing for sale. It's just for us to say thank you. And like a common experience, like the Giro Live. Yeah. Is this open to the public or is it for your VIP guests or how do you get into this thing? Yes. Unfortunately, right now due to attendance and call it compliance, it's not open to the public. It's, it's invite only. And, but you know, last year, you know, this year, let's say we're going to be able to invite a lot more people than what we did last year. As, as the you know everything continues to scale, so this year's Jitter is going to be way bigger. The production is going to be significantly grander, uh, more uh, another amazing venue here in Los Angeles, and you know we hope to have as many as many people from the community and the industry as possible, along with like our friends and athletes and musicians and artists and everybody that wants to come enjoy Jitter and be a part of it. We're going to have some you know major headliners, and then it also launched uh, Jitter Live, which. It's something that we haven't formally like announced in public, but you know, it's it's something that's happening now in the company, which we actually have a division called Jiro Live now, which focuses on the live experiences, live events and, and, and the content of our basically of our platform that we're building for the brand. So it's mm-hmm. it's very exciting. What day is Jitter Day? So Jitter Day will be November twelfth. Cool. And will it be in Los Angeles? It will be everywhere. That the event will be in Los Angeles and the actual like in-store activation will happen in, in California, Arizona, and Michigan. Yeah, so there's 420, and then there's Jeter Day. <laughs> so when people come in and you say they, they ask specifically for Jeter, why do you think that is? What do you guys think the reason is? Like, how do they associate, what do they associate your name with? We feel like, you know, we've, we've gotten them to buy into, in, in, into the full story of the brand, you know, into like the vision of like an amazing product, an amazing time, just the overall experience, the quality, the consistency, and then obviously, you know, as they follow us on social media, like, you know, we're a very fun brand. We have, we, we put out amazing content that people are sh- like engage with us a lot. It's, you know, very, what's the word? Like we really are a, a brand that connects, you know, with our consumers. And we yeah. feel like people have, people have gotten that loyalty now. And, and like look at this, those, those boutique drops have been insane for us. People literally line up the line, line out of the, out the door. Um, they sell out within the first couple hours. We probably do like two to three per year. And, and they're very special because outside of the, you know, the packaging, it becomes a collectible. So people actually purchase these and then they bring them to their house and they, they put them in their, like, their living room as a conversation piece. And sometimes they don't even smoke the product because it's a strain that you would never be able to buy again. So it is, it is very unique. And then normally it's in collaboration with like, what can you say? Like one was an inspiration about the, the NBA finals. Another one was, you know, in tribute to Kobe, which is a massive one with D-Wade which was actually like a, you know, formal collab with him. We collab- and it was an amazing collab. What was that effort, like you guys but, you being, know? being heat fans, meeting, meeting Dwayne Wade himself. Did that blow your mind? <laughs> I'll look at oh, no, John, John, we could sit here for hours talking about no, that. We're going to start on ways, man. That's, 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 our, that's idol like, our brother. That's called manifesting to, to it's true. You know, like, like, Growing up in South Florida, watching Miami Heat, you know, and, and and we're big believers in manifesting, and like our brand has a true soul and a deep DNA, and like it was just it was unreal just just to be able to do that. But it was so organic too. It wasn't like, hey, let's do this collab or whatever. It's like he really fell in love with the product. He smokes a lot of baby jeters, I'll say. And then 
I think it was like within our relation grew stronger. And then within like two years of him smoking, he was doing a book release for his, um, for when, when he retired and he asked us to kind of just help him out with the pop-ups. So we created this cool book and he just fell in love with it. He's like, look guys, let's do a cool collab. I'm like, I love the brand. Let's, let's, let's work together. And I was like, okay, you don't got to say anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When Dwayne Wade's telling you to do something, yeah, you're, you're down for it. So you guys must be approached a lot by bigger companies to kind of come in their family, you know, these big aggregates, MSO type companies. Have you thought about that or you? Yeah. So we have been, been approached, especially because, you know, it's, it's very interesting when you look at this major MSOs, like like all the ones that have, you know, deep pockets, not I can't even tell you one. There might be one, right? That has a brand. The rest of them, they just have like infrastructure. They have stores. They're selling, you know, they're vertically integrated. So they're, you know, creating some good revenues and some margins, but like they don't have a brand. All the brands, if you look at the, you know, call them the maybe five or seven really recognizable brands in the industry are all kind of independent. So they do, they do reach out to, you know, and I guess a couple of them have been acquired recently, but they do, they do reach out to us, you know, very blessed and, and honored. For, to get that interest. But for us, man, like, to be honest, like our vision is so much grander than where we are today as a brand. And to be honest, based on also our, like from our analytics to, you know, like our ambitions and our vision for, for Giro as a company in Dreamfields, at, we, we don't see it as any type of possibility that anybody could come and acquire us because at this point, it's not even about money. Because we know that the money is going to come just, you know, based on the results that we currently have. And obviously the, the company is already very uh, financially successful. But it's also because of the grander vision that we have that I don't think, you know, that there would be a number that could, could buy that vision and buy that soul and buy that energy that we still have in us. And to fulfill this, this huge dreams that we have with Jeter, we're like, I mean, in the future, like, you know, we, we see Jeter as, as a brand, you know, that will do things like Red Bull has done. We're like, you know, we're going to own sports teams and there's going to be stadiums named after Jeter and music venues and hosting, you know, artist tours and, and having our product everywhere in the world. And, you know, when you think about the numbers that we're doing just in California and now that we added Michigan and Arizona, like for anybody to be able to come up with a number that can quantify our dreams, it's very difficult, you know? And then also How like- about a hundred billion? You know, <laughs> Well, maybe that you said a hundred billion. Yeah, a hundred billion. Yeah, I'm just thinking of a number. I think that'll get you a lunch meeting. Okay, okay, okay. that'll get us a meeting. No, no, I know, but I know what you guys do. Yes. So, last question: Florida. So, you guys are big Florida guys from Miami. Florida market's just a medical market. It's a huge market, but it's just a medical market at this point. Do you think that Jeter will one day be able to be sold in Florida? Can you imagine the day? coming yeah i think i think we uh dream about that day every day look so, so the reality is jitter could be sold in florida like in the next six months right if we wanted to right but honestly florida to us is such a big deal that we can't picture right now to be able to do it under the current regulations where you have to be fully vertically integrated under like an, an mso or like you know one of the 22 license holders right? Where we would have to operate another facility and only be sold at their stores, right? That's not a market that, you know, where we believe Jeter um, should be in right now, and especially being Florida and the fact that we're from there, Miami's our home. You know, we have D-Wave part of our team and, you know, we just have such big plans for Florida. We're going to wait until the right time. And to be honest, it gives us the, the bandwidth to focus on all the other markets right now that are actually open for us to come in and do good business, right? Because if Florida was available right now, like it could, it could potentially just, I mean, we would just be so like excited about it 
that like we might just put too much energy to Florida and and not focus on expanding into the other markets that are also very important. But for us, Florida is just like our home. So our goal is to end up. So our headquarters are in Los Angeles. Our goal is eventually to have our headquarters in Los Angeles and Miami at that time where we can bring Jeter the right way to Miami and to Florida. So we're 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 actually okay with having to wait another you know year, two years, whatever that that time that timeline is. We're we're thankful for it because it does allow us to focus on on the other markets. We already know that when we come to Florida, the ground's going to shake in the state. But we're we're thankful for the, for the time that we have to focus on everything else for now. Well, Lucas and Sebastian, this has been really interesting, and congratulations on all your success with Jeter. I might have to light one up a little later on today. I appreciate your time. Thing, just because obviously this this was such a great um you know podcast, and we got to share so much about our company. Definitely want to give like a really big shout out to like our whole team. Right now, today we're actually at thirteen hundred plus employees. We have so many amazing, like dedicated people in the company, which is the reason why you know Jeter is, is is where it's at today. It's all because of like our amazing team, our partners. You know, Scott, our CFO, David, our chief sales officer, PD, Pete, we just start. You know, chief product officer. He's the kind of store in the crew. We have Patrick, Lucas's brother who runs the home marketing department and then obviously Lucas and myself, we just have such an amazing team that like, you know, we have to give them a little praise and shout and thank them for helping us. Dolly Val Jim, the creative director. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So again, congratulations guys. It's really awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, head on over to greenentrepreneur.com for the latest cannabis and CBD news, thoughtful essays, tips, and insider tricks on how to succeed in the cannabis business, all that good stuff. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a huge solid and go to wherever you may listen to your podcast and please rate and review our podcast it does wonders for the algorithm helps others find the podcast would so appreciate a review and a rating thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week